0: ahead and continue with our series Be Still Finding Silence uh, and last week I kind of introed it by saying that in the midst of our busy lives of our always connected digital hectic world I believe in the importance of cultivating the spiritual practice of solitude and silence And in this four-part series that we're going to discover together, in the second of four, we're going to continue to discover how the practice of finding silence and solitude will, will result in physical, emotional, mental, and even more importantly, spiritual rest and refreshing in God. And last week, we talked about the importance of silence, of why intentionally setting aside time to find silence and solitude is what I believe essential and key to all of our Christian walks. And I uh, shared with you guys, so let's see, I shared with you guys um, uh, a quote, and this is something from uh, two weeks ago, which I really liked, uh, that the wilderness of life is the very place at which we can find God. His presence... And provisions for those who seek him. And we talked about a little bit of the life of Jesus. And how he intentionally took the time before the start of his crazy ministry. To spend time in the silence. In the wilderness. Where he could find God. And. We're going to go ahead and just drive forward now with the second part. And I want to begin by looking at Mark chapter 1. And we're going to read verses 21 to 34. And then we'll read 35 after. And this is what the Bible says. Verse 21. They went to Capernaum. And when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then a man in their synagogue, uh, who was possessed by an impure spirit, cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. In verse 25, Jesus said sternly, Be quiet, come out of him. And the impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed. They asked each other, what is this? A new teaching, and with authority, he even gives orders to impure spirits, and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee, and as soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them." That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove on many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. So let's pause here for a second. Uh, If we pick up on what we talked about last week... When we talked about how Jesus, before starting his ministry, he spent intentional time in silence and solitude as he prepared for the ministry that was to come ahead of him, right? And we find Jesus in the gospels transitioning from that place of solitude and silence from the wilderness to a place of what we would now call um, days of, of busyness, right? And we see Jesus here very clearly in the midst of that busyness, right? His ministry was packed with teaching people, going from place to place, healing, driving out impure spirits. Jesus was clearly a very busy person, right? You know, in the Gospel of Mark, as I've shared with you guys before, um, which is my favorite gospel, uh, one of the very clear themes that we find in this gospel is this. There's this sense of urgency. We see a Jesus going from place to place, like nonstop, constantly, right? Uh... One of the most uh, well-known and favorite expressions that are used by the author of the Gospel of Mark is the term immediately or um, at once, right? And in the Gospel, it's used 41 times. And I think in the entire New Testament, 70% of this language immediately or at once is found in the Gospel of Mark. So I'm a Bible nerd, so that, that, that's like, oh wow, that's so cool, right? Maybe enough for you guys, but 70% of this word is used in the Gospel of Mark. So we understand that, that in this story of Jesus, according to the Gospel of Mark, we see a Jesus that's extremely going everywhere. He's very urgent. He's a very busy guy, right? But something that's very interesting in this theme, despite the fact That the gospel of Mark is written with a sense of urgency. There is this sense of rest. A sense of peace in the midst of Jesus' busy life. right? Because the gospel of Mark, the author, he takes the time to record the moments of Jesus intentionally taking the time to find solitude and silence. And I think when you notice something like that, when an apparent theme of the Bible or of, of a book is urgency, but you see small pockets of rest, of slowing down, then it's something that we really need to pay attention to. right? And I strongly believe okay, the Gospel of Mark invites us uh, in a fast-paced story to join Jesus and be unhurried with him. Right? Just like Jesus' busy life, we too can pause and be unhurried. Right? Just like Jesus does in his busy ministry, there are pockets of silence and solitude that the Gospel of Mark invites us to. Look at the next verse, Mark 1, verse 35. Right? It says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, he left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Okay? Right there. Then and there, if the son of God, Jesus Christ, puts in the same and puts in this kind of energy to spend time with God, despite the busyness, how much more do we as moral human beings need to spend that time with God? You see, Jesus prioritized his life, his everything around making time to be with God, to be in the silence and solitude in the early morning where he could pray. So today I want to talk about prayer, but not necessarily just about prayer, but I want to focus more on the benefits of praying to God in the silence and solitude, just as Jesus did here in the Gospel of Mark. You see, one of the greatest sermons that was ever told, told, if I were to tell you where that's found, uh, most people would think of Matthew chapter 5, which we find the Beatitudes, Um, or the Sermon on the Mount, right? And in chapter 6, when you read through this Sermon on the Mount, he starts to talk about prayer in chapter 6. And then we find, you know, the very well-known, and this is how you pray, right? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, as earth as it is in heaven, right? Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. Right. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So this is very well known. Right. The Lord's Prayer. I'm sure many of you guys have heard it. If you've memorized it, then you have it memorized. Uh, and we tend to focus a lot on this. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right. There's nothing wrong with focusing on how we should pray. But I think a lot of us, we get too focused on this, that we miss what Jesus says before. Right. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter six. Um, And uh, let's see, chapter six, I don't have it on the screen. Chapter six, verse five to eight. Let's just read this. It says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. I truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Okay? But I want to focus on this verse here. Matthew 6, verse 6. When you pray, go to your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So let's break this down. A few things. First of all, before Jesus tells us how to pray, Jesus instructs us on where to pray. Amen. The emphasis of solitude and silence can't get any more clearer than this. Okay? Like I said, it's not wrong focusing on the Lord's prayer. Right? There's nothing wrong with it. It's, it's a very valuable tool. But before that even happens... Jesus teaches us where to pray. Jesus contrasts where we, or why, or where we should pray with those of the hypocrites of his times, right? It's Jesus' subtle way of calling out the Pharisees of that day. Now, some people may be skeptical and think, like, you know, dude, Jesus is, why are you so, like, so, like judgmental like that? Why do you have to, like, do people dirty like that, Right? Like, how do you know that they're praying so that they could be seen? What if they were really being honest and pure? If we take it in a very innocent approach, right? But historically, this is the thing, okay? There's nothing wrong with public prayer. Public prayer was something that was a part of Jewish lifestyle. There's nothing wrong with that, okay? Jesus never condemns this ideal of public prayer. But the thing is, if we look at history and Jewish tradition... They prayed all the time, public, private. They would meet at the synagogues at specific times of the day. They would set certain times for their prayer meetings. And prayer was normally practiced, not in the street corners, but in in the places of of their prayer meetings. So this is the issue that Jesus was, was calling out. There were some people practicing Jews that would deliberately take their movements to bring them to the most public place that they can find at the scheduled times of prayer and find themselves, oh, well, look, I'm the busy street uh, with all these people. I guess I have to pray because it's 2 o'clock, right? So this is what Jesus was calling out, right? People practicing Jews that were being very hypocritical wanted to make their prayer time in public look like a coincidence, right? And this is exactly what Jesus was calling out, right? The people who prayed not for God, but simply for themselves. They prayed not to be heard by God, but to be seen by men. And Jesus very openly in, in the gospel says that, yeah, they'll get their reward. They, they will be rewarded, which is to be seen by men. Let them have it, right? And then Jesus challenges us to pray in contrast to that, okay? to do the exact opposite. To go into your room, to close the door, and to pray to the Father. So, you may think, like, okay, Pastor, like, literally? Like, do we literally go into a room, to this closet over here, shut the door, turn off the lights, and pray? I don't think Jason would like that too much, right? Okay? And I think we can take this literally and metaphorically. Let me do a quick Greek lesson with you guys here. Does anyone know how to read this? (laughs) Okay. I don't know how to read it either, so... Okay. But this is the Greek word that's used for room, okay? And in the Greek, it's pronounced... Uh, tameon, right? Tameon. I'm probably butchering it, so forgive me. Tameon. Now, tameon, this is, what it, this is what it literally means, okay? It literally means an inner chamber or a store chamber, a secret chamber, a closet, a place where people can retire for privacy or a place for storage, Right? And I think when Jesus says that we should go into a room, this language that he's using, Jesus is without failing referring to the nature in which our prayers should take place. Right? The nature in which our prayers should take place is in private, cut off from the busyness of life. It should be a place where the world can be shut out. Okay? So let me ask you, church, how many of us in our current prayer life have a place as such? A place where it's private, where it's cut off from the busyness of our day-to-day work, where we can shut out the world. And what does that look like? Does that mean turning off your phone, turning off all your notifications, your electronics, and going into a closet? Does that mean going into your car, parking it, leaving your phone in the house? Does that mean going into the mountains to pray? Speaking of mountains, right? In the Gospel of Matthew, and the other Gospels as well, we find these accounts. We find Jesus retreating up to the mountains to pray, right? Jesus feeds the 5,000, and in Matthew 14, 23, it says Jesus went up to the mountainside to pray by himself, right? And Jesus does the same in the Gospel of Luke as well, right? During the Transfiguration, he takes Peter, John, and James with him to pray. Now, let's think about this. Jesus takes the time to go to a place of silence and solitude. And one of the locations of silence and solitude for Jesus was in the mountains. Now, if you guys know anything about the region of Galilee, this is not the best picture, but this was the best representation that I could find. But if you look at the picture, the region of Galilee, where Jesus conducted his ministry... Uh, you can tell it's very, well, you can't really tell in this picture, but it's very luscious. It's very green. Okay. It was known for its agriculture, for its fishing, right? But it was also very mountainous, right? There's a lot of mountains and hills and, 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 things like that. Right. Uh. And I haven't had the chance to go uh, journey the, the, the Holy Land, uh, but many have gone and they always report that you know, as they do their tours, there's a specific mountain in which they believe Jesus went up to pray. And so they usually take people and people that are interested to this specific place to experience what it's like. And they say it's about a two and a half mile hike up. Okay. Now, I don't know about you, right? but when was the last time you climbed a mountain to pray? for two and a half hours. A long time ago, uh, I think it was about a year ago, I shared a story about my adventures uh, climbing um, a mountain back here in California uh, called San Bernardino Peak. Uh, And it was the biggest mistake of my life because I was not ready, right? It was a nine plus hour hike, you know, 10,000 feet above sea level. I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, Just 30 minutes even into that hike, I thought I was gonna die, right? But can you imagine? A two and a half hour hike, not to get to the top, but a two and a half hour hike to pray. I think there's something powerful in this image of Jesus going out to pray. The next time you read the gospel and you see Jesus retreating to the mountains, don't think it's just like a quick walk in the park. A five minute walk to to his closet, but a two and a half hour hike, right? You see, Jesus was willing to go as far as climbing a mountain, To simply spend time with God. Think about that. To pray, to pour out whatever was on his heart, and to reconnect and receive strength from the Father. You see, when I read the Bible of how Jesus would go into these mountains to pray, I don't know about you, but for me, there's a newfound appreciation for the effort that Jesus made to be alone with God. And I think it's a beautiful model in which we as Christians can follow as well. How much effort are we putting in to our silence and solitude with God? To spend time with God in prayer. Church, I pray that this becomes a challenge for you and I. For us to intentionally put the effort and take the time to enter into a private, quiet place. Where we close the door, we pull ourselves away from the distractions so we can have one-on-one time with God. And whatever that may look like, whether that means literally climbing a mountain, finding a closet in your house that no one uses, turning off your electronics, going for a walk, whatever it takes, I challenge us as a church. Now, let's continue with Matthew 6, verse 6, but I want to read um, the New King James Version for this one because there's a very interesting word that's used by Jesus in this verse. This is the New King James Version. It says, But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. In the secret place? What does that mean? Right? This language is so fascinating. Okay? I want you to think about this. We may question and wonder, is it necessary? Do we really need to go into a room and close the door? I mean, yeah, we can use the argument that we're not Jesus, right? Okay? We're, how are we supposed to keep up with that? Jesus was Jesus. Okay? We're only human beings. And we can find ourselves saying, well, I mean, just praying is good enough, right? As long as I'm praying, then I'm good. Okay? My life is just too busy. I don't have the time to go into a closet and pray. Okay? But let's think about this. When Jesus says, pray to your father who is in the secret place, maybe the point is this. It's in the silence and the stillness of a room, of a place away from the noise and the distractions of life, that you actually can find God. Because the reward and the benefit of praying in the secret place is this, is that God resides in that secret place. It's the place where God is, where God has been, and God will be waiting for you. And immediately, when we take the time to go into this secret place to pray, God is there, and God is the very reward, right? Think about that. Yes, we could take the time to pray while we're, I don't know, just working out or just come to church and pray and think that's more than enough. But if we don't take the time to intentionally find a place of silence and solitude, then maybe we're missing out on something much greater that Jesus was trying to emphasize when he was talking about prayer, okay? So let's get practical, Why should we pray in the silence and solitude? Let me give you four quick reasons. One, intentionality. When we go home, why do we go home? To rest, to sleep. When we go to work, why do we go to work? To work, I hope, right? When we go to school, why do we go to school? To learn, I hope, right? When we go to the gym, we go for what? To work out, to exercise. Not just sit there and go on your phone, like maybe sometimes I do, right? When we go to the secret place, what should the intention be? To spend time with God, right? When we become intentional in our prayer life with God, we find that there are some things that can only be learned and experienced in that solitary place with Him. Okay, number two. As I shared with you earlier, um, privacy, right? When Jesus calls us to find the silence and solitude, the purpose and goal is to find a private place with God, right? Just alone time with with God, right? No more and no less. And if you think about it, what privacy can do is it creates honesty. And what honesty does, it creates a relationship. One of the things that I really enjoy uh, with the youth, um, and youth would know this, uh, but I enjoy having this thing called DMCs. And you're probably like, what is a DMC, right? It's really simple. It's just a deep, meaningful conversation, right? And all it is is just having the opportunity, just a one-on-one conversation, to sit down and just talk about what's going on in life. To sit down in private, to be honest with each other, and to know and to build a relationship. The intentionality of building a relationship in private. In the same way, we have to also find time to have a DMC with God. And the only way that you're going to build a relationship with God is if you take the time to create a place of privacy Solitude and silence. Which leads to the next reason, reason. They go hand in hand. Intimacy, right? Intimacy comes hand in hand with privacy, right? Without privacy, intimacy never happens. We all have this innate longing in each and every one of us to have intimacy, right? Whether you want to admit to it or not, whether you think that's like, oh, only soft people think that way, right? No, whether you realize it or not, we are all built to want to know and to be known, right? That's intimacy. And the beautiful thing is is that we have a God that longs to share intimacy with you and I. And the final thing, integrity. By praying in secret, in solitude and silence, not only are we able to, to build and foster a relationship with Jesus Christ, we avoid the dangers of trying to impress or doing it for the sake of the acknowledgement of those around us. Jesus warns us to not be like the hypocrites who pray to be seen by men and not by God. By praying in solitude and silence, we have the chance to eliminate the wrong reasons and to pray for the right ones. You see, with this, you know, as I was preparing for this sermon and thinking about, you know, what kind of challenge can I give to the church to, to seek silence and solitude for the sake of their prayer life? You know, in light of what's going on with the coronavirus happening and the scare and all of that, right? Uh, A lot of people see this as maybe kind of a negative thing, but I like to see this as really a blessing in disguise. No matter how much I think of it as a bad thing, it's just this blessing keeps just coming out in my mind. It's a wonderful opportunity for us. And let me explain why I think so. You see, our Sabbaths here, especially you younger people, have activities back to back to back. And, you know, I'm a culprit too because I love bombarding you guys with things to do. And there's nothing wrong with that. We come to church to enjoy the fellowship of one another, to do outreach, to have, you know, these practices and, and to do all of these things together as a church, right? This is what we do. But sometimes we find ourselves on the Sabbath being so preoccupied with all of these things that we, we create a very clustered very loud, very distracting, very busy Sabbath, right? But with, with the coronavirus in light, where we have canceled potluck, canceled all of our activities, you know, one pastor called me and told me, he was like, Tim, you get a day off. <laughs> you actually get a day off. And I'm just like, you know, but I think it's a beautiful opportunity for us as a church to challenge ourselves So maybe now is the time where we can actually try looking for that silence and solitude, right? With with all that's going on now, maybe this is the opportunity that God wants to give us to find a quiet place with Him. And I think this is the best time for that to happen, right? When the world is shaking in fear and with uncertainty, Maybe that's what we need to do, is in the midst of the chaos of this world, the wickedness and the evil, maybe it's time to go into that secret place, to meet up with God, who's already waiting for you since the start of all of this, right? Maybe it's time as a family to take the time intentionally to allow you and yourself, your, your family, to pray and to foster that relationship with God. Maybe now is the time to enter into this quiet place. Now I want to, just to wrap up, I want to share with you guys a story of my experience um, uh, joining International Kayam in 2015. I had the chance to go to the Philippines and... Um, during the training, one of the pastors uh, introduced this idea that they challenged us to do when we were in the Philippines. And basically, it was talking with Jesus. So it's basically prayer. Uh, but the nature of prayer changes. It's not about asking God for things. It's not, about, it's not about requesting God for things. right? It's not about even thanking God for things. It's simply talking with Jesus. Right? And so they challenged us to do that. They said, go, in a, go, go find a place in the Philippines, out in the fields, in a room, wherever you need to go. And then talk to God. Find a quiet place away from the distractions. Talk to God. Like, literally talk to God. Not, not in your mind. Because, you know, there's a tendency when we're praying, in our minds, we get drifted away. We're like, oh, yeah, like dinner is at <laughs> 6, right? Or, oh, like, I have homework to do, okay? but to literally go to a quiet place and to talk out loud. And so at first I said, this is crazy. Like, what? Who? who who's going to do this, right? When we went to the Philippines, I remember that our group was, uh, we had a lot of struggles in the sense of uh, people were getting, you know, heat strokes or heat, heat induced comas. Uh, just like sickness, we, you know, half of our, our group, it was like 26 people. So half of that, about 13, 14 people got food, poison, or food poisoning, yeah, basically, um, from drinking contaminated water. And it was a time where things were just going down the drain. And I remember just one morning as we were heading to the church to prepare for VBS and all of this good stuff that I noticed that there was a a very empty field behind the church. And so I decided that I would just walk out into the field and simply talk with Jesus. It was the weirdest thing ever because I was talking aloud to God, telling him about my day, telling him about the struggles that we were going to. And for 20 minutes of just wandering around this field looking like a crazy man to the eyes of the local people in the Philippines. I did this every single day after that point of the mission trip. And let me tell you this. There is something radically different when you pray to God at church and to when you pray to God in a place where there's no distractions, where it's just you and God. So I want to challenge you as a church to take this secret place kind of ideal. This, this ideal of finding silence as the optimal place to pray. Because it's in that mist that you can find God.